0: Our guest for today's episode is my new friend, Priscilla Shire. Priscilla is an author, a motivational speaker, an actress, and a Bible teacher. I was just driving home today, and I got to drive past a billboard with Priscilla's face on it for her upcoming movie. So cool. I'm incredibly honored to have her on the show, and I'm telling you now, you are going to want to grab a notebook and a pen for this one because she is overflowing with godly wisdom. Today, Priscilla is gonna be teaching us how to embrace our God-given identity, and I'm so excited about this episode. Because here's the thing. A lot of us have heard the things God says to be true about us. We've heard Psalm 139 say that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We've read Song of Solomon 4.7 that says, "'You are altogether beautiful, my darling. There is no flaw in you.'" But if you're anything like me, sometimes there's a bit of a disconnect between what we hear God say to be true about us and what actually feels true. Need an example? Three words bathing suit shopping. If you're anything like me, when you're in that dressing room, you don't feel fearfully and wonderfully made and you certainly don't feel flawless. In fact, you feel very, 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 very flawed. In that dressing room, God's truth feels almost impossible to believe. And that is just one small example of something that so many of us majorly struggle with. So what do we do? How do we get this truth to move from our heads down into our hearts? How do we take this cerebral, on some level I know this to be true, understanding of our identity and put it into practice so that it actually changes the way that we feel and the way that we live on a regular basis? How do we start to live as children of God who are seen and known and loved by the Father instead of constantly feeling like the forgotten daughter? That's what Priscilla is here to talk to us about today. She's going to help us learn what God says to be true about us and actually start believing it. Yes and amen to that. But. Before we dive in, I wanted to give you a quick reminder that registration for my online course, Love Your Single Life, opens back up in just a few weeks. Here's what one of our amazing alumni had to say about the course. Camber says, I cannot express how valuable the course has already been in my own life. It's changed the way I view myself and also has given me an even greater love for the Lord. I love that. So again, registration will be opening up on October 7th. You can find out all about the course and get your name on the waiting list at loveyoursinglelife.com. That link will also be in our show notes. And one other thing I wanted to say is that I know that some of you may be listening to this episode after the deadline or in a totally different time of the year, and that is totally okay. Head to the website anyway, put your name on the waiting list, and you'll you'll be the first to know next time the course is opening up. I cannot wait to share this with y'all. Okay, so with that said, let's jump into today's episode. Here is my conversation with Priscilla. All right, friends, I'm so excited for who I get to introduce you to today. I'm sitting here with my brand new friend, Priscilla Shire. And Priscilla, I'm, I'm honored to have you on the show. Thank you for taking the time. <laughs> Thanks for having me. I'm grateful. So before we dive in, for any women, if it's possible, (laughs) who haven't come across you yet, can you tell us who you are, what you do, and then I would love to hear a fun fact about you.
1: Sure, yeah. My name's Priscilla, and mostly I'm a wife and a mom to three very big, growing boys who just eat incessantly. So my full-time job is trying to figure out different ways to cook chicken for dinner, (laughs) I'm trying to relinquish the laundry responsibilities now to all of them for all of their laundry. That's my goal in life.
0: Yes. Has anyone turned anything, any weird colors yet or like really shrunk good. something? Okay.
1: We're doing pretty good in that regard. It's just that things get lost now in a way that I don't quite understand because it's not just like a, another sock that was lost. It's like a whole pair of jeans. Like what? where did the jeans go? You just put them in the laundry.
0: That is... <laughs> A real mystery. That is really, <laughs> I, I I'm familiar with the sock. There's there's some sort of something in the dryer that eats that no, extra sock. Those lose whole outfits. Uh, that is that is amazing. Okay, so so <laughs> along with trying to feed hungry boys and teach them how to do laundry, what does your ministry look like?
1: Yes, ministry uh, for us really as a family, we have had the privilege to um, travel and share God's word pretty much wherever he sends us. And so we've done that mostly in ministry to women, women's ministry at different conferences and in churches, and then on the written page as well. So lots of books and Bible studies and um, even a series for, um, preteens, which is called the Prince Warrior series, which is based loosely around the characters are. It's a fiction series, but the characters are based loosely around my own sons and nephews and just inviting even young people to put on the full armor of God so that they can stand firm against against the schemes of the enemy. And so it's just been sort of a, a fun
0: ride. That's amazing. It's amazing. Okay. So what's your fun fact?
1: My fun fact is that I gosh love Mexican food is
0: that a fun fact can that be fun that can totally be a fun fact
1: Sure, it's fun while I'm eating it I'll tell you
0: that (laughs) well okay I don't know if I'm allowed to give you a fun fact but you are actually an actress as well as all of these other things that you've done you've been in several several movies at this point is that right which is the craziest thing to me because it's some, something I could have never strategized
1: or planned for. I'm certainly not trained for it. So I just am amazed that they keep asking me to do this.
0: That's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. Can you just tell us really quickly, how did this start? How did you go from not planning on being in movies to all of a sudden?
1: Yes. Well, it I've been in ministry for uh, about 20 years now. And so just kind of forging ahead and doing what God is calling us to do as best we can. And some kind of way. You know how the Lord is. He sort of allows you to cross paths with people that you would have never met. You know, you could have never sort of strategized to meet. And along the way, we met Stephen and Alex Kendrick, just kind of working in ministry circles. We came across them and their wives were familiar with our ministry as well. And so were they. And so back when they were filming Courageous, which was the movie before War Room, um, they actually called me then and asked if I would consider a role then. And I said, Absolutely not! I am not an actress. No way. <laughs> um, and it wasn't a good time with our uh, with what was happening in our children's lives at the time for me to sort of leave and go for three weeks to do all that filming. Great. So I said no, I couldn't do it. But they did ask if I would write a companion book to go with Courageous. So I wrote The Resolution for Women out of that film. Um, and then fast forward four years, they're writing War Room, which is going to be their next film. And they called us one day and they said, Priscilla. Every time we write these lines for Elizabeth Jordan, who's the main character, we are thinking as we write, what would Priscilla Shire say? That's how we're writing this character. And so as they came toward the end of writing the script, they said, you know what? Honestly, we just thought we need to call you and ask you to be Elizabeth Jordan. And once again, I said no way. Are y'all kidding me? There's no way in the world. I don't want to mess up your movie because, you know, we've all seen those movies where it could have been good, except that one actress was (laughs) they just just work in it. And so I just know that feeling. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. That That I'm in ministry. I'm I'm not, you know, in movies. And they said, Priscilla, I think if you read the script, you will see that it is not just a movie. It is ministry. And of course, when I read the the script, I read what people who who have seen War Room, what they now have seen, and that is that it is ministry. It called people back to the priority of prayer. And it, gosh, I've met so many people whose marriages have been restored and changed and given a second chance because they saw War Room. And I mean, people from all over the world that I've run across who um, I, I may never have an opportunity to minister to in a traditional way. I mean... They may never come to a church. They may never read a book or do a Bible study, but they'll go to a movie theater and have some hot, buttery, salty popcorn and watch a movie. And so um, it has felt like a gift to me that the Lord didn't let my own fears and insecurities and inexperience keep me from being a part of that. So that's really how it started, and then a couple years later, the Irwin brothers were filming I Can Only Imagine and asked if I would do a part in that film, which I was so honored to even just be a small little piece of that, and then now Overcomer, um, which is the Kendrick brothers' next film, and I get to be a little part of that. So I'm real grateful that the Lord has sort of expanded what I You know, could have never imagined ministry could entail and that he's allowed us to be a part of it in this way. So our whole family goes. Like whenever we're filming, we all go to the set. My boys intern on set, they're extras in the in the film, and we all just are sort of a part of it together.
0: That is so cool. And the thing I love the most about that, gosh, I don't I can't pick. So I'm gonna take back most. I just love that when we get on this ride with God, He takes us to places that are just m- crazier and more wonderful than we ever could have planned on our own. He just that's just his calling card.: Yep, that's exactly right. I love that. I love that. So um tell us a little bit more about Overcomer and like the inspiration behind it and what it's about, just so that we because it's coming out really soon, right?: Yes, it sure is. Absolutely that's so crazy. Yeah, yeah, so tell I- us about it incredibly excited about it. It
1: is, you know, every single film that I've been in has had a major spiritual theme that is designed to really impact people's lives. That's what I feel like, at least for me, that, you know, as long as the Lord wants me to do things on screen like that, it won't be just acting randomly. It'll be for that purpose. And this film is no different. The theme of it is identity. It really is asking the question, who or what have you allowed to define you? Where do you draw your significance? Because if that's rooted in something Uh, that's temporal, something that can be taken away like your success or your beauty or your health or any of those things, then then your significance will be tied to something that man is so fragile and can be taken in the blink of an eye, whether you're accepted by that group of people or not, all of that. Um, And so this is really asking us those hard questions. Are you rooted in your identity in Christ, which does not change? Or have you allowed something else to define you? Um, And it's centered around a young girl. Her her name is Hannah in the film. She's 15 years old. And she's having a major identity crisis. Um, You know, who of us didn't when we were 15 years old? Oh, absolutely. And when we were 20 and 30 and Uh 34.
0: Yes, and yesterday (laughs) and
1: tomorrow. And yes. (laughs) It'll definitely be a constant struggle but certainly that's a fragile time of life those young womanhood years and then hers is compounded by some very difficult family circumstances and then there's another player on the on the kind of the field of the the movie and that's John Harrison who has planted his success and or his significance rather in the success of his career but that's taken away from him and so now with that job gone he's got an identity crisis and then there's another player that comes along and there's a swirl of people whose lives intertwine in a very interesting way and all of them are all having their own issues of significance where they had planted it in something that was taken from them their health their job they feel abandoned maybe as Hannah does by her parents, and they're having to reorient their vantage point to who they are in Christ and find their value there. It's a very emotional, compelling, interesting story that also has incredible spiritual principles that really can change the course of our lives.
0: I'm so glad to hear about that. I'm so glad that, that you guys are making this or have made it, and I'm so excited to have you here today because that phrase, identity in Christ, is so full and important, but like hard to grasp onto. It's like grasping onto a cloud. It's just gone the second you, you, I mean, it's just so hard to, to put some like language around it. It's hard to understand. And so, I mean, really for the rest of our time together, I want to just pick your brain like crazy. And so ladies women girls guys friends as you're listening get a pin out because this is this is important and Priscilla knows this like knows this deep I, I just know this about you that you not only know who God says we are in our minds but you've done the hard work of doing whatever you need to do to move that knowledge into your heart and so can you tell us a little bit about that in your own life like what is what is your own personal experience with identity in Christ look like and how have you, gotten to a place where you feel like your identity is more rooted in Him?
1: Well, you know, the Word of God renews our mind. That really is the bottom line, that it's the the sacrifice that He made on Calvary that saves our souls, but it is His Word that changes our minds, that saves our minds. And so really, it is going back to, it is a systematic, intentional reprogramming of our minds, away from the lies of the enemy, or even um, the things that have happened in your life that have sought to define you and shape you, and you intentionally going back to the Word of God. In fact, my character in the film says to Hannah, I want you to read Ephesians 1 and 2, and literally write down everything that it says you are. And everything that it says you have as an adopted daughter or an adopted son into uh, the family of God. And once you write that down, man, I would say to do that and then post it wherever you can. I mean, make photocopies of it, put it on your bathroom mirror, put it, you know, where you at the changing table, where you're changing babies' diapers, where you're washing dishes, put it, tape it wherever you can so that you're consistently running into the truth of who God says you are. And then it's kind of like when you listen to music over and over and over and over again you know while you're jogging and washing dishes and that sort of thing after a while you find yourself humming the tune then after a while you find yourself singing the words it's not because you were intentionally memorizing it it's just because you kept listening to it and when it's when you inundate your mind with it you find you absorb it into your system you start humming it now when you're not even listening to the song because it's just a regular part of your what's what's rattling in your mind that's the same way we have to be with the word of god We have to reshape our perspective of who we are and root it in the truth of who he says we are, not in what we've been called, not in the way we have behaved, not in the past abuses we have suffered, not in the way our flesh is inclined. Those might be your preferences. That might be your history. That might even be your behavior, but that is not who you are. We have to separate those things from the reality of our identity. Only the creator has the right and the authority to give us our name. And so we have to go back to our creator to determine what he has said about us. And then here's where it gets real practical. Then before we make decisions throughout the day. We literally pause before we tweet that, before we post that, before we respond to that, before we say yes to an invitation that honestly we're just saying yes to out of guilt or, uh, you know, FOMO, fear of missing out. We pause for a second and we ask ourselves, am I making this choice out of a place that is a lie or out of a place that is the truth? We we realize and start to 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 train ourselves to determine, am I making this choice from a place of insecurity and fear? Well, that's not who I am. And then we make, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we begin to start to make those choices from the place that is true of who we are. We are chosen. We are adopted. We are not forgotten. We are appointed. We are forgiven. Can you imagine as women how it would change the course of, for example, the relationships we choose? The relationships we allow, if we paused before we said yes to dating that guy or marrying that guy or allowing this circle of influence to be our closest circle of friends, can you imagine how it would change it if we chose it from a place of security, knowing that we are already accepted and already chosen instead of one that is a place of insecurity and fear and a hope of being accepted by a certain group of people?
0: Yes, yes. All of that. I love it. Um, I love that you said, you know, putting, putting the truth around so we can bump into it. I, um, several years ago, shortly after I graduated from college, did a year long mission trip called the world race. Have you heard of it?
1: I have heard of that.
0: Yes, so I so I did that, and it was a, a just an, a wild year of God. teach I mean, taking me all around the globe and getting and showing me so much more about who He is. But a lot of what happened in me personally on that trip had to do with my identity, and because I mean, I think like most women, identity and insecurity have always been just my Achilles' heel. And and God, I think kind of pulled me out of my life for a minute and was like, we need to talk about this. And that's a lot of what we did. But there was this one really special moment. I was in India, actually. And my girlfriend, Carly, who's been on the show several times, she, I came home from ministry one day and I had pink post-its posted all around my bed. I was sleeping in a little bunk bed at a YWAM base in in Bangalore, India. And um, there were just post-it notes all over my bed. And on each one, it said, like, beloved, beautiful, chosen, uh, like, you know, cherished. And and I just slept under these truths for a month. And and at the end of the month, I couldn't bear to not sleep under them anymore because it was so powerful just looking up at them and having them be the first thing that I saw when I woke up and the last thing I saw before I went to bed. And so I started peeling them down and taping them up in all the other countries we would go to. And it really changed things. And it's a simple thing, but it really, it really, really did. So I, I love getting to hear you say that.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: One thing I wanted to ask you is, you know, we, you mentioned believing that we are included and chosen and accepted before, like, so we get to act out of that instead of looking to other people to accept us. What kind of process, like, what does it look like when the truth of that we know about ourselves and we'll get to how we actually kind of start to believe that, but the truth of who God says we are doesn't match with what the world is saying to us like how do we respond in moments when we're rejected by a group of people or by a person how do we like reconcile those two things
1: yeah well first i think we let ourselves be disappointed like i think in the church we've we've sort of grown so comfortable wearing these veneers and masks these smiles that say everything is fine and i am not hurt i'm not disappointed we don't give each other the margin sometimes to be hurt <laughs> and to just sit for a second in the fact that my heart just broke a little bit, you know, especially for moms that maybe watch their kids, their daughters and their sons go through that where they're not accepted or that the way they learn, it's different or they look different or they have different interests. And so that group doesn't want to include them. Um, that's, that's hurtful. There's disappointment there. But there is a difference between disappointed and being devastated disappointment you can move on from. Devastation means you're wallowing in it and your life is literally crippled in some way because you can't move forward because this one group or this one person or this one dream or ambition didn't come to fruition. So, again, it's okay to be disappointed, and I think that's the first step, to let yourself as a believer know that, that he sympathizes with our weaknesses. He knows we're human. He knows that, that we have feelings and that our hearts break, and he knows that life is straight up Hard. I mean, it's hard. So go to him with those concerns. Go to him with those tears. Go to him with those questions and know that he's not above that. He, you know, he, he holds our hearts in his hands. He wipes tears from our eyes. He sees us when we're disappointed. So to know that that a disappointment is okay. Um, but the, the next step is to immediately, again, I can't say this enough, immediately begin to reframe that disappointment or frame that disappointment in the promises of God, because he still is who he said he is. And he still can accomplish exactly what he says that he can and he will accomplish. So even with my own sons, when I watch them go through the ebbs and flows of adolescence. Now I have two of them are teenagers watching them go through the ebbs and flows of, of, of teenagerness and the disappointments that can come with that. And the ups and downs of the relationships in that, you know, when their heart is broken, I sit with them in that. We talk through that, but at the same time, I kind of remind them Not immediately, but as the days go on, I remind them of what God has promised them. I remind them of who they are. I remind them that it's okay to hurt, but that I want them to not behave from a place of that hurt, not expect less than they deserve now from certain people because they are hurt. I I encourage them to rise up and to discipline themselves by the power of the Holy Spirit, to keep behaving in a way that's congruent with truth, even if they don't feel it. Because here's the thing, feelings lie. <laughs> Listen, this is a revelation. <laughs> <that I dropped. laughs> whole life, If you remember that feelings are not smart, they don't have intellect. They just feel. So if you follow feelings, you will most often, I think we most of us can attest to that, you'll be taken to a place that is not healthy. It is not smart. So just because you feel disappointment You can recognize it and acknowledge it without following it.
0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. As many of you know, I recently wrote a book, and while it was the most rewarding project of my career so far, it also came with a lot of hard work and long nights. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com friendship today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, slash friendship. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Friends, springtime is finally here, but that also means allergy season is in full swing. I have always struggled with allergies and I don't know about you, but I am especially allergic to cats. More on that in a second. Well, luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. feel like everyone just needs to like sit and take a deep breath right now. That's truly, I remember exactly where I was the first time a girlfriend, my same friend said, Stephanie, our feelings are not always true. And I just like, I was laying in bed feeling a whole bunch of feelings and just had to sit up and look at her and go, what? Like, what did you just say? But of course they're not. Of course they're not. I'm so glad that you said that. So when you're talking about the promises of God, you know, we have women listening who have been believers their whole lives. We have women listening who have become believers recently. We have women listening who are not really sure what they think about this whole God thing, but they kind of feel like there might be like he might have something for them. Um we just have women all over the spectrum and I think that no matter how long You've been a Christian or haven't been a Christian. That doesn't necessarily mean that you know God's word well. You know, I think a lot of, a lot of us have grown up in the church and never really learned how to, how to read his word for ourselves. And so knowing that that's where, you know, all, all of our women are, I feel like when you say knowing who God says you are and knowing the promises of God, I feel like their first thought is, how do we figure that out and I know that the answer is to to read it in his word but like I think that there first of all where where do we start and then I know that there are so many like we want to be re- we want to be good Bible readers like we want to be we want to be responsible with God's word not take some sort of like out of context thing out on Pinterest and call it the word of God because it, it's not necessary that's not necessarily true. Yeah. So how do we where do we start finding out what God's promises are and who we are and then how do we know what's meant for us and what's meant for like the Israelites and we are not Israel you know how, how yeah. do we how do we where do we start? Priscilla help us. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked that question because let's be honest, the Bible is intimidating. It's big, there's lots of books, there's lots of people, lots of dates, lots of insight and information and it feels above us a lot of times. But I will tell you in regards to identity, a great place to start is literally in Ephesians, which is one of uh, the books in the New Testament, and read the first two chapters. Just read it and read it in a translation that feels good to you, like New Living Translation or the Message Bible even, um, or ESV. Find a translation that you, when you read the first couple of verses of that first chapter of Ephesians, you can internalize what it's saying because it's not so complicated in its verbiage that you just, you've read something, but it just doesn't connect with your heart at all, find a translation that does, and then read through Ephesians 1 and 2. And when I say that, I don't mean to read through it in one sitting and then be done with it. I mean, take a couple of verses a day. So here's here's one of the ways that God's word has become palatable for Priscilla, for me. It is that an older, wiser woman many years ago when my children were smaller, she said, Priscilla, this is the season. This is one of those seasons where it's time for you to give yourself a break that you need to know what it is to practice the presence of God. And what that means is that it may be one Bible verse that you read and that you write down on a three-by-five card, three or four three-by-five cards, and that you post in different places in your house and for an entire week. That's the Bible verse that you are praying over. That's the Bible verse you let the Lord use to speak to you. That's the Bible verse where on this day, one word jumps out to you and you ponder that throughout the day while you're at the sandbox with your kids and outside playing and making lunches. And on another day, there's going to be another verse word that jumps out to you from that verse. You do business with this verse. It's called meditation. That's what it is. Meditation is where you're pondering over a portion of scripture for a period of time. pondering literally means to press your mind, upon it. You're just sitting with it while you're running errands and sitting with it while you're brushing your teeth and sitting with it while you have a pause and you, the work through your day. You're just letting it mull through your mind. In that way, it becomes inscribed on your heart and the Holy Spirit then has something to bring back to your attention on days when you need it most. So when I say read Ephesians 1 and 2, that's what I mean. Only each individual knows whether they can handle five verses a day or two verses a day, or maybe someone does have the time to sit and read a whole chapter and read that chapter every day over the course of a month and, and underline and circle and think through the things that God is saying to you every single time you read it. That's the way you internalize God's word. You You, you let yourself off the hook. Certain seasons of life will allow you more freedom than others, but sometimes I think that we we feel like if we're not digesting a scholar's level worth of it, that it's not valuable to us to just sit down for five minutes and say, Lord, what do you want to say with me to me today through this portion of scripture?
0: Mm. And so Ephesians one and two, like, will get us started.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, literally in the Bible study that I have uh, written for this called Defined, that's one of the things that we do in the Bible study is I encourage those who are doing the Bible study with me that we literally read Ephesians 1 and 2 Mm -hmm. during one week and you're writing down everything that it says that you are, who you are as an adopted daughter. And then for the next week, we read it through again every day and ask, what does it say you have? You have forgiveness. You have redemption. You have a great inheritance. What does it say that you have? Write those things down. So we make, we literally read it and make a list together through that Bible study so that we can begin to reorient our framework of perspective and, and, and our identity in regards to it.
0: Love that so much. I love that so much. And I love that it's that it's doable, that it's not take this whole, new, just take the whole New Testament. <laughs> it's, I mean, I we just, no it matter where we just need a place to start. Um, I love that. Thank you for that answer. I feel like that's going to be so helpful for so many of us. And I'm literally, when we hang up, I'm going to go read through Ephesians 1 and 2 again. It's The Bible's amazing just because, and I mean, this is such an obvious thing to say, but I just, like, it's just amazing how... Every time we read it, it teaches us something different. Every time, I mean, I've read through the whole Bible several times at this point, and I was I was listening to it a couple couple weeks ago, and there was this story in Matthew that I did not remember, and I I was like, is this really in there? Did Jesus really do this? I just it had never jumped out to me before, and it just it it changes it it. It comes alive in a whole new way every time we read it, and so I love that. I'm excited to see what Ephesians one and two has for me all over again. So you mentioned this at the beginning, but the, the idea that we put our identity in all different kinds of things—our um, marriage, our career, our education, our friendships, and social media—can you talk to us? Just dive dive a little deeper into that with us. Like what? what is the danger of, of putting, what happens when we put our identity in these different places? What does it it look like to do that? And then what, what does the result look like?
1: Yeah. You know, it's so easy to do that in our, in our culture, particularly our social media driven culture. Um, You know, in the nineties, when I was in high school and in college, you know, of course we still wanted to be included. Of course, we still wanted appreciation and we wanted people to like us and all that stuff. We wanted to fit in, but it, It was in our physical sphere of influence. Now we're trying to be included and accepted by people who aren't even physically there. We don't don't even know them. It's a 24 hour inundation of the need for approval. So we find in our society now and in our culture that, that people are mostly rooting their significance and their identity in their online presence even more than who they actually are in person. And so it's rooted there. Whether or not we get enough likes, man, digs deep into our heart. Whether or not we have the amount of followers, whether or not we get the amount of attention that we're striving for online from strangers, really does devastate particularly a lot of um, younger people who this is all they've ever known. They've never known a world where they're not completely surrounded on all sides by uh, the bings and buzzes of social media. So let me be clear in saying there's nothing wrong with it. It's a great tool, it's fun, all that great stuff. But without margins around it, that's one of the most critical places right now in our culture where our significance become, can become so illegitimately tied to that, that when we don't get enough applause from it, it can completely devastate us. And honestly, we see that happening literally with, uh, again, young people in partic- particular statistically going into great bouts of depression, even becoming suicidal o- over this issue of being bullied uh, on social media or not being liked like everybody else in their minds is liked on social media. So it is an issue that we have to be careful of, but for women in general, I know your podcast is specifically uh, to women and for women in general, think about it for Many, many, many decades, there has been a standard of beauty that is set up in every single culture. Um, every single culture is different. In ours, here in America, there's a standard of beauty that most girls that look like me didn't fit into. There are, there are nuances about our physicality that doesn't fit in with what the standard says is what's beautiful. And I've loved in the last decade or so seeing that change a little bit to where our natural hair is depicted on television commercials. It, it's, it doesn't have to be straight. And I remember being, you know, in the, in the in the 90s, again, I remember wanting my hair straight. I remember chemically damaging my hair in order for it to look like what was the standard of what would be considered beautiful on my high school campus. Um, there's freedom that comes to all of us, black women, white women, Asian women, Hispanic women, tall women, short women, olive-complected women, fair-skinned-complected women. There is freedom that comes to all of us when we realize for real our significance is not tied to some standard that's been created by a society, but our physicality and our personality is an expression of the creative genius of God. Man, when you get a handle on that and you realize you can live free and fully in the package he sent you in, that even your weaknesses, I mean, even in your personality, the things that are your weaknesses aren't really weaknesses. They're actually just platforms for the strength of God to be displayed more radically through your life. They're not liabilities. They were intentionally given to you so that in that way in your life, God could be on display in a way he wouldn't otherwise if you were strong in that particular area. So there's nothing that's a liability. And I'll tell you this because you got me on my soapbox now. So now I'm just talking and talking and talking. But I'll tell you this. um, I wrote this in Radiant, which is the book on identity um, for, for women that I've written. And I have a whole chapter called My Hair Story. And then, parentheses, what's your hair story? And the reality of that chapter is based around what I just described to you going through a lot of years in my life where I was willing to literally let the health of my hair suffer. I mean, it was falling out in globs because I was chemically damaging it in order to achieve sameness. Sameness is celebrated this homie, hom, homogeneous culture where we all look the same, we all wear the same kind of makeup, we all got the same kind of fashion sense going on, and when you step out from that mold, you know, you're sometimes that's not celebrated. And so I talk about how I made the decision at 24 to cut off all that chemical relaxer from my hair and to just let my hair be my hair. Just let it be what it was. And the kind of, you know, work that God did in my own heart and life Over my hair. I mean, it was just my hair, but really it was a bigger issue. Why was I willing to be unhealthy just to be the same? And I think about how many of us from every culture and every background as women, we are willing to damage our bodies in order to be considered pretty. What does that say about where our significance lies that we're willing to do that to ourselves? What is it about our natural state as God made us that we're so afraid of? And um, in in my, in you know, I, I've seen the Lord work in a lot of ways with this whole natural hair situation for me. That was my thing in my life. And one of the ways was, and and this is not insignificant, you know, when they called me to do War Room, I was, you know, 15, 16 years into wearing my hair in its natural state at that point. And I did uh, war Room. And when they were talking about how they wanted Elizabeth Jordan to be dressed in her appearance, because we all, you know, every character, there has to be a huge conversation about how that character needs to be portrayed on screen, clothing and everything. And when we began to talk about hair at, as, as this professional African-American woman, Elizabeth Jordan, I said to them, you have no idea how important it is that my hair be my natural hair as Elizabeth Jordan. You have no idea how that will speak volumes, particularly to the curly headed women of culture that will be coming to see this film. And that hadn't even occurred to them. I mean, they weren't even thinking about all of that. But when I said it to them, they said, you know what, you're right. We want you to wear your hair as it is and not have to straighten it in order to be considered professional in this film. I say that to you sis, because you cannot imagine Since then, how many dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of comments and letters and emails and comments I've gotten from people who not only thanked me for just wearing my hair that way, but then said, you know what, that kind of inspired me to go ahead and wear my own hair. Let myself be myself because you were being yourself. And I thought about the ripple effect that will happen in the lives of everybody in all of our spheres of influence if we'll just be ourselves. There are people waiting to be set free. If we'll just give them the courage by stepping out there and saying, you know what? I'm going to be myself. I'm going to have whatever style choices I want, whatever fashion choices I want, but I'm not going to damage myself and run over my own self in order to be accepted or achieve sameness with what society says is the standard of beauty. Is anyone else crying? (laughs) Just me. (laughs)
0: I just, I'm not sure how I got on that soapbox. Listen, thanks. listen, I'm so glad you did because, you know, when you said, like, this is my hair story, what is yours? We all have that. We all have something where we have been willing to damage ourselves or, or hate ourselves or hide ourselves because we felt like we weren't the way that we should be and i just when you said the thing about like our packaging and uh, you know showing up in the packaging god gave us like as we as as he made us to be i just i know that that i know that we each have our own like piece of a story that 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 just really resonates with so i'm really really glad that you talked about that so you know something that we talk a lot about here on the show is relationships and romantic relationships and and part of that is because gosh, it just takes up so much space in our minds and our hearts. And part of it's because it's just an area where we feel extra lost, um, where we can just get off track, where our feelings can lead us in directions that we never really intended to go in. So I've heard a lot of women say this, and I know I've said it in my own life too, that uh, you know, I think I will be able to feel loved and whole and stop feeling insecure when I can just get into a relationship or get married. When someone else sees me as lovable, when someone else loves me, then I will be able to believe that I'm worthy of love. What's the danger of that? Like, what happens when we look to relationships? Talk, talk us through that.
1: Yeah. Well, we've all been there, you know, and done yes. that. <laughs> yes. Um, man. The thing about that is when you lose yourself in in another person, there's a codependency that happens that is not healthy for them and certainly not healthy for you because God has created each of us with a unique set of skills, talents, purpose, and passion. So when you lose yourself in another person, you also lose sight of your own passions, the purpose that God has for your life, the gifts, the talents, the abilities that he has uniquely crafted you for. So when your significance is now found there, instead of being found in who God created you to be and what he's intended for you to do, then oftentimes I have met so many people who have so given everything away illegitimately to another person that they don't even have what's left now to do what they were created for. The passion, the the time, the energy, the emotional reserves required to really engage in what God put them on the planet for, that's all been totally zapped because they've illegitimately handed it over to a person. And when the person is not for you, one of the ways you know is that way. That you are totally, and I'm talking, speaking to single women here, that's one of the ways you know. When you are folded up into another person so much so that you find your passion, your emotional reserves, your interests, The the purpose that used to give you so much enthusiasm, the excitement, now that thing is totally waned, that fire doesn't even burn anymore. That's one of the ways that you know that this person um, might not be the right person for you to be in relationship with, because you being with another individual having a relationship with another individual, whether we're talking about male-female relationships here, or we're just talking about your circle of friends, what those relationships should do, they should... Fan the flame of all God has put in your heart. They should offer support and encouragement and excitement as you continue to pursue the things that God has placed in you and around you.
0: I love that. I love that. And, you know, I think that my whole work revolves around relationships and, and the fact that when our relationships are in a good place, our relationships with ourselves, with God, with our friends, and with our significant others, we are so—we it's we have this team behind us to really fan, fan our passions into flames so that we can do the things that we were meant to do in the world. Like we don't, we're not supposed to do this alone. But the other thing is that when we know who we are and when we are in a good place, our, all those relationships are so much better as well. And so I think like the thing that I've seen in, in my own life and in so many women's lives on kind of the flip side of that, like not only do we, when we have our identity, so wrapped up in someone else, do we lose our ability to do the things we were made to do in the world? But it also keeps us from being able to be in the kinds of relationships we really want, because if we're looking to marriage to fulfill something that only God was meant to fulfill, then marriage is going to be really disappointing, and our relationship isn't going to be as loving and connected and um, rich as it was really meant to be, because we're putting— so much pressure on it that it was never meant to be on it. So not only does it rob our, us of our ability to show up in the world the way that we were meant to and do the things God created us to do, but also I think it robs us of a really wonderful connective marriage when we're looking to a person to fill like a God spot in us.
1: That's right. That's, that's a great way to put that, a God spot. There is something that our spirits were created for that can only be filled up by God's own sp- Spirit, by God's Spirit taking up residence in us and then us looking continually to Him to be our reserve of joy and peace and hope. Our spouses, it is is irresponsible and it is unhealthy to put a burden on your husband to be what the Holy Spirit is supposed to be for you. He can't be God for you. You've got to have your own sense of relationship and and intimacy with the Holy Spirit of God, you've got to have your own sense of stability and wholeness and health alone so that you don't get into a relationship and start putting on His shoulders something that He was not created to bear or be for your life.
0: Yes. Oh, it's so good. So I know that we all are sitting here thinking, I want my identity to be rooted in Christ. I want that. Or I I, I have that, I think, you know, but I want it more. I always want it more. Can you, like, I just would love it if you could cast some vision for us of what it would look like for an individual, for a woman to know who she is in Christ, like what the ripple effect in her, the way she carries herself and in her life, and then what it would look like for just us as a team of women to all, like, know who we are. Can you just, like, paint a picture for us so we... Know what direction we're heading in.
1: Yeah. Well, I'll give you an example of um, from the life of Gideon, who I love so much. You know, when we meet Gideon in the scriptures, he's in this wine press beating out wheat. So he's not even supposed to be in a wine press. He's beating out wheat. He's supposed to be on a threshing floor, but he's in there because he's hiding. That's why he's there. He's operating in fear because he's got these enemies that keep coming. And if he does, if he beats out the wheat, On an open floor, threshing floor, which is at the top of a hilltop, usually, they'll see him and they'll come get the harvest. So that's why he's in this wine press, because he's hiding. And God shows up where he's hiding in the place of fear. And he says two things to him. He says, the Lord is with you. And he says, valiant warrior. So he tells him two things. He tells him who he is. He says, the Lord is here. I'm with you. Here's I still am who I said I am. And then he reminds Gideon of who he is. He says, you're a valiant warrior. Now think about that. He's in the middle of behaving in fear and insecurity when he is told this might be how you're behaving, but it's not who you are. Gideon believes this guy, who he didn't know at the time is the angel of the Lord. He believes him. He believes God. And he comes up out of that threshing floor and he starts acting in a way that is incongruent with the way he feels. He starts behaving like a valiant warrior, even though the, the enemy is still right outside his door. The enemy is still lurking nearby. And immediately in acting in a new way, he goes straight home. And he tears down all the idols that have been indicative of his entire family history. So in other words, when you start behaving in a way that might be incongruent with the way you feel, it might be incongruent with your behavior. It might be incongruent with what your what your parents told you you were or could be or could not be, but you start believing God and acting like it, just like Gideon, the people that are underneath the roof of your own home. Sorry, that was the doorbell. I'll say that again so you can edit that. The people that are underneath the roof of your own home will be affected first. Your sons and daughters, your grandsons and granddaughters, your nieces and nephews, your spouse, the ripple effect runs off on them when someone comes home believing I am who God says I am. So I'm going to start acting this way, even though the enemy is right outside my door. My circumstances haven't changed, but I'm going to start behaving differently despite that. And then with Gideon, soon as he took care of his family... Then he went and fought a battle with 300 soldiers. He's still the underdog because the Midianites have 140,000 soldiers. But with 300, he goes in as the underdog, but he doesn't act in fear and insecurity, even though he is outmatched. He still goes into battle believing that I am valiant, I am a warrior, and because he continues to operate in in regards to the truth of God's word, not only is his family legacy changed, but Israel is changed. He wins a victory for the entire nation, and a battle that they've been trying to win for seven years is won finally in one battle. In other words, an entire nation now is changed because one guy— believed what God says about him. This is the ripple effect of what happens when there is a Christian woman who says, okay, I'm getting ready to take this seriously. I'm going to stop stop believing that my behavior is who I am or that my past is who I am or my failures are who I am or the inclinations of my flesh. You know, I feel this way. I have a tendency in this way. That doesn't mean that's who I am. I'm going to start operating and behaving in the truth of God. What that means is your family is going to be affected. And, you know, I feel like I need to just say, that's like a declaration that I'm saying to you right now over this podcast, that if you will believe what God says, and start operating as a chosen, accepted, forgiven, redeemed daughter of God that you are. Your children, your sons and daughters, your grandchildren, your spouses, their lives are going to be forever changed. It hinges on you believing that. And then we live in a nation That is waiting on the people of God to rise up and operate in in regards to the truth of who God says we are. If we'll do that as the church, we will find that our whole country and other countries will be affected when the church globally rises up to her full stature as daughters and sons of God.
0: Oh, yes. Thank you. Yes. Priscilla, last but seriously not least, I would love it if you would just pray for us. Like If you would just pray for the women listening as we are on this journey of identity, trying to accept and believe and stand tall in who God says we are, I would just love it if you would just pray for us.
1: Lord Jesus, I thank you. Father, I'm so grateful for these moments that we have to just encourage one another. And thank you for the medium of technology that allows us to do it in a broader way. So, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that for everyone who has listened and who has heard, that you will spur their hearts on toward you, that you will realign and um, recalibrate our perspectives, Father, about who we are in you until we believe it, Lord. And then I pray for your spirit to rise up in every single son and every single daughter, convict, challenge, encourage, comfort, and lead us to victory. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Thank you so much for being here, Priscilla. Thank you. You guys, isn't Priscilla amazing? I just love her and I love this conversation and I am so happy I got to share it with you. One thing I wanted to mention quickly is that I know that we talked about a lot in today's episode. And so if you want to find the links to any of those things, all you have to do is go to my website. It's stephaniemaywilson.com slash blog. And for every episode, we have a blog post with the show notes. All the links will be there for everything we talk about, including all of Priscilla's contact info so that you guys can follow her and so you all can be friends. One of the things I wanted to mention is that if you haven't had a chance yet, it would mean so much to me if you would take a quick second to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. We've gotten so many amazing five-star reviews from y'all and you've left the sweetest comments. I cannot tell you how much it means to me. And also it helps out the podcast more than you can imagine. So friends, if you have one quick second to do that, it would really mean the world to me. Friends, that's all we have for today, but we'll be back next week with another episode of Girls' Night. And trust me, you're going to love this one. See you then.